So along with our VBS, one of the things we wanted to do was to allow that VBS to continue. And um, we want to start a campaign today um, as part of our Faith at Home. And this is for every single person in our church, whether you have little children in VBS or grown children or no children or you're by yourself, you're single. Um, we want you to be a part of this. And the whole purpose of this campaign is to really look at and focus on these fruits of the Spirit and how they look in our lives. And so when you came in this morning, hopefully you grabbed one of these Faith at Home campaigns. And we're going to do several things along with this campaign. Um, the first thing we want to do is we really want to make an important um, decision as people to memorize God's Word. And that's kind of the foundation of this and, and the purpose of this, is to get God's Word into our life more and more and more. And so here in the, the Faith at Home brochure, you're going to get one of these every week in some form or fashion. Um, it's going to show you um, the Galatians passage that we want everyone to be memorizing, as well as a, a specific verse that we want you to be memorizing for that fruit to help you kind of um, flesh out what that looks like and what it means in our life. And so at the end of this series, which is going to last nine weeks, you're going to have ten verses memorized. And I know, I know most of you think, well, I can't memorize anything. I don't. You can. And during class um, today, we're going to kind of help you with memor memorizing scripture. And we're going to talk about the importance of it. Um, but we're also going to talk about the really practical side of how you actually do it. And so um, please stick around for that. We'll talk a little bit more about this campaign. But we want this to be a part of your family. And so for our kids who memorize all ten verses by the end of this series, we're going to have a special prize we give you. If you're an adult and you have all ten of them memorized by the end, we're going to give you a high five. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Um, big motivation. So um, within this, you're also going to find some things that you can be doing at home, whether with your spouse or your kids, um, if you are single. Um, and then if you are single, or even if you're not, we would encourage you to invite some accountability into your life with this, with the memorization. Make it fun, make it a game, make it a journey that you're going on with other people. And um, I know that this will bless you richly if you will take this seriously. And so, um, again, we'll say more about this campaign as we get into our class today. When I first um, got my, <clears throat> excuse me, got out of college and got my first job, it was in Cleburne, Texas in 2003. I was not dating. Um, I was on the market, and there were no buyers at the time. Takers, desperate people. Um, but one of my favorite seasons of the year is Christmas. And if you've been around me for any time, you know I love Christmas. I love the decorations. I love trees. And so I had to have a Christmas tree for my apartment. And I didn't want to spend the big money to get a pre-lit tree like we had always had growing up in our home, one of the, the fake trees. And so um, I decided I was going to go get a real tree. And I had never had one before. 
And so the guy at the store was saying, make sure you get this and make sure you water it and you do all these things. And so I set it up and I filled it up with water and I left it there and I decorated it and made it look absolutely um, as gorgeous as a 23-year-old single guy can make a tree look. And over the course of the next month, I watered it probably one other time. And by the end of the holiday season, when I was ready to take it down, I looked into the base of the tree, and it was basically bone dry. And I lifted the tree up, and um, it was just falling apart, basically. <laughs> Things just started falling off the tree, and branches um, were drooping down. And as I, I thought back to that first experience, by the way, that's the last real tree I've ever had. Um, because I don't remember to water it or take care of it. But even if I had taken care of that tree really well and watered it and made sure that, that I, I did get it what it needed, there was still going to be a lifespan to that tree because it had been cut off and, and placed somewhere that it wasn't naturally designed to be. And so it did have a lifespan. It was going to run out of time. And the amazing thing with, with a tree is basically once it's cut down, it's beginning the process of dying. And so the branches are going to start to dry up and the, um, the needles are going to start to fall off and it's going to have issues, it's going to have problems. And no matter what you do to make it look beautiful, it's going to die. This is an avocado tree. It's not mine. It's a friend's. Um, and it got a little bit too much rain this past Wednesday. And so it's drying out and... I'm pretty sure that with a little bit of sun and a little bit water of water as it dries out, it's going to revive and it's going to look. Now, I have to tell you, when we decided to use this for this series, this looked immaculate and now not so much. But if you were to take this tree and remove it from the pot and plant it in good soil, and make sure that it got water and sun, that this is going to grow. And year after year, it's going to bloom, and it's going to produce some fruit. It, it's going to grow up. And it, it's different from the Christmas tree, because it's going to have a certain sense of beauty to it. But the tree, there's only so much you can do. And at the end of the day, the bottom line is the tree is dead. In Psalms, it talks, and the tree is a metaphor that's used quite often in Scripture. In Psalms, it says, That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prosper. This idea of a tree planted by water that's going to grow up. And I think we have this mentality when it comes to our faith 
and following Jesus more of this Christmas tree-like faith. That we want to add stuff to the outside. And we want to do everything we can to make it look beautiful. And we think about things like love and joy and peace. And we think, okay, I, I really want to add that to my life. And it becomes basically an ornament that we add to ourself. That we say, we want this in our life, we want more of this, we want more of this. And it seems like we try so hard. I want to be more loving. I want to be more joy-filled. I want to be more kind. I want to be more faithful. I want to be more gentle. I want to have more self-control. And we think about it, these, these things that we need to add. But what's really fascinating is you look at the fruits of the Spirit, they are not things that we add. Paul talks um, a lot about flesh and spirit. And the flesh is what we are, it's how we are born, it's our family, it's our um, ethnicity, it's our territory or where we live. Um, there are so many things that pour into that flesh. But what happens is over time, that flesh starts to take over. And so Paul talks about the flesh and the spirit. And his whole goal as he writes Galatians, one is to talk about how important it is for us to trust in Christ. But the reason that we are trusting in Christ is to form Christ's likeness in us. Because what Paul talks about in the fruits of the spirit is Christ's likeness as it grows up in us, so that Christ's likeness can flow out of us. Christ's likeness is grown up in us. It's not added to us, but it rather grows up in us. It's like a tree that's planted by streams of water, and then it begins to grow from the inside out. And if it's planted in good soil, and it gets light, and it has access to water, then it's going to grow up to be this strong, beautiful tree that produces fruit year after year. It's not going to be this artificial tree, this tree that's dying, and that we just decorate the outside to make it look good but it's going to be this tree that grows up. And Christ's likeness grows up in us so that Christ's likeness can flow out of us. And as we talk about these fruits over the next nine weeks, I want you to remember this, and this is so, so important, that these are not virtues and vices. I think a lot of times we, we think about them almost in Greek, like Aristotle thinking, that we have these sets of virtues of joy and peace and love and and these are good virtues to have. And then we have these vices of anger and jealousy and sexual immorality and those are bad. And don't do that and do that. I mean, how often we, we teach that to our kids with behavior, right? Don't do these, but do this. Don't do this, do this. And for so many so many, that becomes the foundation of our Christian faith. Don't be like this, be like this. Don't be like this, be like this. 
But what God talks about, what Paul talks about here, is this fruit that's growing up in us. And what we're doing is we're putting to death the flesh, because when the flesh is given freedom, it turns into something pretty ugly. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred and discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And right before, right before, as he's talking about the flesh, he says, the flesh and the spirit are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. That there is this side of you, this flesh side of you that has to be put to death. And when that's allowed to flourish, when, when the desires of the flesh are allowed to flourish and given freedom, it's a society that is broken and hurting and filled with pain. A society where human Flourishing is impossible. It is the anti-kingdom of God. And so when he talks about the Spirit, the Spirit is what breathes life into us. But the only way that the Spirit is given room is when the flesh is put to death. And so he talks about this idea of co-crucifixion. That we are crucified along with Christ and we're putting to death that sinful flesh, that sinful nature in us. Because when left unchecked, that's naturally where our body wants to go. He says, but if, if you will put that to death, the Spirit is going to start to breathe life into you. And make you more and more and more like Christ. Because that's the goal of trusting him more. Is that Christ's likeness would grow up in you so that Christ's likeness could flow out of you. And he talks about when it grows up, it's going to start to produce fruit. And this is what that fruit is going to look like. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. In, in other words, that if this spirit is producing this within you, the law of the, the Jewish law cannot condemn you. Because the entire purpose of the law in the beginning was to produce this in us. It wasn't just about following a law. It was about becoming a people that look like Messiah. And through faith and baptism, this co-crucifixion happens as we plant ourselves in Messiah and His Spirit starts to grow up within us and produce His likeness in us. And the reason these aren't virtues and vices is because this fruit is the character of God. Do you want to know what God is like? God is love. God is joy. God is peace. God is patience. God is kindness. God is goodness. God is faithfulness. God is gentleness. God is self-control. That's who he, that is his character. 
And as he plant, if we plant ourselves in him, he begins to grow up these fruits within us and they flow out of us. It's not this tree that's cut off and stood on a stand and decorated so that it looks nice. And where we think, well, I really, I, I need to be more loving. I need to be more patient. I need to have more self-control. And it basically, basically becomes another ornament that we hang on the tree. He says, this is not what the fruit of the Spirit looks like. The fruit of the Spirit is a part of this tree that's planted in Messiah. That is growing up to produce this fruit year-round. And the very first fruit he talks about is love. And every other fruit that he's going to talk about flows out of love. And so, Paul, his focus, he talks about in Galatians, that it's faith expressing itself in love, or that we are to serve one another in love. Or the Old Testament law is summed up in this, love your neighbor as yourself. But maybe one of the, the most prominent places we go when we think of love is John in his writings. And three times uh, and when we talk about love, let me just go back real quick. When we talk about love, he's specifically talking about, or especially talking about, love for one another. That, that seems to be his focus. And John talks about it three times in the Gospel of John, where he refers to it, and five times in his letter of 1 John. But what John points to is that love is evidence. Love is evidence in our life of several things. One, it's evidence that we have life. Love is evidence that we have life. In 1 John 3, he says this, we know, we know, we know, not, not just here, we know here. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. And anyone who does not love remains in death. Secondly, he says, love is evidence of our faith. It's evidence that we believe. And in verse 19, he says this, This is how we know. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. And he, he talks about what that love looks like. And then in verse 23, he says this, And this is the command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. So love is evidence of our faith. It's also evidence that God exists. Not, not evidence to us that God exists, but to other people. He says this in chapter 4. No one has ever seen God. And, and think about the, the, how profound this statement is. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. In other words, as we love each other, the world gets a glimpse of what God is like. Jesus says something very, very similar. In, in John 13, 
He says this, By this, everyone will know that you are my, my disciples if you love one another. This, this is how people are going to see love. They're going to see God's love through you, his people. Through me, his people. So, so how do we grow that up in us? Just a little bit later, he starts talking about this vine. This vine that is going to be grown up. And he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And then listen to this. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Isn't that a powerful statement? Just, just leave that one there for me, Haley. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I think apart from me, you can do nothing is like the tree that's decorated and looks beautiful. Because there are a lot of things you can do, a lot of really good things. And I find myself as a person who's a doer in this rhythm of just doing good things, really good things, serving and sharing and preaching and leading and helping people and going next door to my neighbor. I find myself doing a lot of really good things. But he says, you do those apart from me, and it means nothing. It means nothing. And I think we get into this tendency of working so hard to prove ourselves without remaining. And the word remain in the Hebrew is literally translated abide. And it's a word I think we've kind of lost meaning for. But it, mean, it, it does mean to remain in, abide in dwell in. And it's this idea of sinking our roots deep into good, solid soil, fertile soil that's going to grow us up. How many times do you find yourself working and working for God? but not really connected to God. Doing really, really good things for God, but not abiding in Him. As he says, apart from me, apart from me, you can do nothing. See, that tree, that Christmas tree, looks really good. But the bottom line is it's dying. And you can decorate it and you can do as much to it as you want. But this time next year, it's no more. This time next year, it's withered and died. No matter how pretty you made it look. And this mentality that, well, I just need to try harder. But what if try harder doesn't look like us decorating this tree? What if this try harder 
looks like us really planting ourselves in good, fertile soil and allowing God to grow us up from the inside out so that Christ's likeness grows up in us, so that Christ's likeness can flow out of us. And that that would give life. We are trees bearing fruit. We are not decorators placing fruit. This is not automatic. It's not mechanical. And if you want to grow into a strong tree, there are a few things that you have to do. I mean, I'm pretty sure if you left this with me, it would die. But I got the concept down. That you take care of the soil. And you plant it where it gets water. And where it has access to the sun. And it's going to be okay. It's going to go grow up. And, and what I, I would imagine is true as this tree grows is the health of the branches are going to mirror the health of the roots. If the roots are healthy and planted in good soil and getting access to water, if the roots are good, the branches are going to be good. And they're going to produce fruit. So in Ezekiel, there's this powerful, powerful picture. This prophet gets, this this vision he gets to live out. And and I've shared it with you a few weeks ago, and um, it's become one of my favorite, favorite passages. But he gives him this vision of the temple. And he says, come on, come on in. And he asks him to start going eastward is that's where the temple faced. And he walks into the water, and he goes into water that just says is ankle deep. And he measures out another thousand cubits, and he says, come on, son of a man, come on deeper. And he goes to water that's now knee deep. And then he calls him a little further, and he says, come on, come on, son of man. And he goes into water that's now waist deep. And he says, let's go a little further. And he calls him further, and he finds himself in a river that's flowing. And and I love the way he describes this river in his vision. He said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because the water flows from there. And because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will have life. And he talks about this life that's, that's brimming and, and fruitful. The fishermen will stand along the shore of Ian Getty, Ian Eglame. Where the places you spread your nets. The fishes will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea, 
but the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow up on both banks of the river. Where the river, there will, excuse me, fruit trees of all kinds will grow up on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. And their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. And this river, as it flows, it starts to give life. And what you find as you get into this river, flowing from the sanctuary, giving life, is these trees. And these trees planted by the water that's flowing out of the sanctuary, giving life. And these trees are growing up, and they're producing fruit. And the fruit is for food and for healing. And I think what Ezekiel wants you to see is the same thing that Paul wants you to see in Galatians. You and I are those trees We are the ones planted by the stream of water that's giving life. And our food, the fruit that we're producing, is good in this world. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That that fruit is food to a world that is broken and hungry and thirsty. And that food provides healing for this broken world. It's not about, let's try harder. It's not about, well, I need to be more loving, and so I'm really going to focus on being more loving. But it goes back to... I'm going to plant myself in good, solid soil beside the stream of the river of water of life. And I'm going to have access to the sun. And it's going to grow me up into this beautiful tree. Not where I'm trying to find this stuff that I'm adding, but because it's growing up from within me. Because Christ's likeness grows up in us so that Christ's likeness may flow out of us. But it all begins with us abiding in Jesus. With us remaining in Him. With us planting ourselves in Him. I think so many times we get distracted because we're looking at where everyone else is planted. And we're doing and doing good things in Jesus' name. But we're not abiding in Him. Apart from me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Could you imagine what it would look like if just our church stopped focusing on where everyone else was planted? And stop thinking that we have to save the world. And started focusing on abiding and planting ourselves in Jesus. 
so that He could grow us up into these fruitful trees. And through us, through our love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, that we would bring healing to a world that's broken. Christ-likeness grows up in us so that Christ-likeness would flow out of us. Father, today, we pray your, your blessing on us. Father, that we wouldn't be focused on the external and we wouldn't be just simply trying to add good things to our life. But Father, we would be focused on abiding in you and that through your Spirit, you are forming Christ-likeness in us so that this fruit would flow out of us and it would be food for broken and hurting people and that it would bring healing to this world. Father, may we, your church, be your people, focused on you, abiding in you, and by your Spirit, filled with Christ-likeness, formed, faithful, and gracious people. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. We pray all this in his name. Amen.